1: Welcome in the latest episode of five on the floor on the five reasons sports network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on dash radio every day on the nothing but net channel from seven to 8 PM. Also my new show on Onsideradio.com, radio.com 10 to noon, every single day, every weekday. That's where we cover the heat, but also more than just the heat and five sports.com spelled out. Brady Hawk has already posted his latest piece off of today's game. A lot to get to tonight as Miami Heat lose again. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network and a sponsor of this episode. It's our friends over at Seltzer Mayberg. You can find Seltzer Mayberg at 855-5000-LAW. That's 855-5000-LAW or go to onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com. If you've been hurt in a car accident or a slip and fall, make sure you call the law offices at seltzermayberg.com they're based right there in north miami they handle cases from all over the state they've got 24 7 availability on the website also if you mention five reasons you'll get a free consultation they cover all kinds of law there at seltzer mayberg but again slip and fall car accident they can definitely take care of that for you so say hello to the good people down there whether it's mendy or david or eric or anybody else who work directly with an attorney to get you the compensation that you deserve again it's one call legal.com seltzer mayberg law firm at 855-5000 law and now
2: today's episode
0: one two three four five on the floor
2: welcome to five on the floor a daily show on the miami heat and the nba featuring ethan skolnick with alex toledo and greg sylvander part of the five reason sports network
1: All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. If you hear a little bit of background noise, it's because there were fans in here tonight. They don't leave particularly happy. Here's today's floor plan. The Miami Heat lose again, now 20 games into the season. They're seven and 13 on the year. This is the healthiest or the most available in terms of the players that they had tonight that they've had in a long time and yet still find a way to blow a 10-point lead. After a week, end of the third quarter, they rally, take a lead, have control of the game, and then blow it, and Heat fans are – I mean, Twitter's on fire right now, Greg. And even you, okay, the bastion of optimism, having the guts, were frustrated by what happened tonight. Give me your top three frustrations.
3: I mean, it's difficult when you have a game locked up, basically. Like, when Jimmy had those moments where he, he rattled off a couple buckets and he, and he was feeling, feeling himself – you felt like you had the game under control, and to completely cave from that point forward is just uncharacteristic of this team. So that that would be number one. Just the the fact that you played a game that was good enough to win, but you caved right at the end, and it's just like literally um, all of what you did that maybe uh, could have been looked at as a positive ends up being a negative. The the other thing I have to say is just this this hole at the four it's abundantly clear that that's going to continue to be an issue. I mean, even on nights when they're getting production from Kelly Olenek, they're not necessarily closing with them. They have Andre Iguodala and some of the spacing that I saw, the way they were leaving Iggy open on one side when, um, you know, maybe there's opportunities to do things otherwise. I I just think that that's a hole that they're not going to be able to avoid. And um, the defense, I, I just, I can't get away from the fact that they are leaving players out on islands to get, broken down off the dribble and i I don't know what they can do to adjust but it's like guys are getting picked on and they're not necessarily reacting to it as the game's going on and i'm no genius about this but that's just what i saw tonight that was entirely too frustrating
2: yeah i mean where do you even start with that loss right like you had to have this game that was absolutely a winnable game it seemed like they had it there for the taking before the hornets tied it up at the end that you know that last shot Uh, was a little bit all over the place. It didn't seem like that's what they wanted to do. And then you go to overtime and just look at what happened. Like the offense completely uh, burnt out. I I don't know what happened. They just kept trying to, I I guess, look for the the shooter, look for the shooter. I guess that's what the 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 Hornets defense was allowing. But it just felt like Jimmy and Bam were not aggressive enough in that overtime period to make something happen before they had to dig themselves out of that hole and just obviously look for Duncan Robinson to launch up threes. But the, the main problem is what Greg is talking about. And there you go calling him Greg again. Like that's the second time ever probably uh, is the defense, right? Like I think we, you know, we've been talking about it up and down for the past year and a half. It, it went back up in the bubble and it's been back down ever since. And the return of it, you know, Avery Bradley to the lineup, obviously Jimmy, that's going to help out with some things, especially on the perimeter, but it's still a problem, especially when that, you know, you're throwing out that starting lineup that has three subpar defenders and, Look, man, I just don't know. Like, it really does seem like this team needs a little bit more two way talent. I don't know. I'm not trying to make a conclusion off of this, just off of this one game where maybe the Heat's effort isn't all the way there, just as it has typically shown for regular season games that the effort can kind of wane as far as Jimmy and Bam's aggression. But it just seems like we really can't avoid this defense problem, especially with, you know, having a lot of your closers in your core, half of them being bad defenders.
1: Let's start from the top, and, and you, there's a lot to jump on there, and I want to make sure we don't miss anything. Um, we want to get to Jimmy's shot at the end because it's kind of obscured what otherwise was a really strong performance by him to that point. There were also moments where I felt like Bam could have been much more aggressive. He has matchups he should punish, and Zeller is one of those matchups. And well, look, he, he just, went 10 it, of 15. I, I understand that, but I don't – it's <laughs> –
2: but I, the overtime aggression from, is right.
1: I, I, Alex, we got to get away from the numbers on this stuff, okay? I, I, Bam's going to put up numbers, he, he's going to put up numbers because he's essentially a single big, he's an extremely skilled, versatile player. He's going to get you numbers. But I'm talking about watching sequences in the game where you're like, that guy is the best player on the floor, and he's not acting like it,
2: okay? I honestly, and, to me, I only disagree just because I, I don't even think it's about Zeller, I think to me, it's about his general aggression versus guys and just kind of making the right read on when to score and not to score. Like, I feel like he gets confused. Like, and, and I'm not saying that in a way to, to, you know, make Bam, to, to, to look down on Bam. I'm saying like, sometimes he's processing a lot, a lot of things at a time, looking at everybody else instead of worrying about, well, look, I've got Devonte Graham or some other guard matched up on me. Why don't I back him down? Or, you know, sometimes he, he's looking for the, the jump shot. He's kind of made the decision on what he's going to do with the ball before actually doing it i don't know like i think there's a lot going on with him and he's taking all the right steps but you're right that the aggression isn't all the way there like it's it's constantly up and down from game to game
1: all right well let's cycle back to the beginning because i really don't want to miss some things so let me me get through the list here and then let's kind of process it okay there there were some things in this game that uh, we may never see again um i I felt like spolster wanted to get his regular nine-man rotation from the very start of the game. And then Duncan picks up the two fouls. So we play Struess, and then Struce catches fire. I, Greg, do you, do you think that Struce was the plan tonight? Do, do you think that he intended for him to, because he gave him 19 points. Okay. And there were times he looked better than both Duncan and hero and Dragic, to be honest, all yeah. three of them. Well, um, there's
3: a, there's a couple things going on there. And there may be an episode that we can un unpack uh, at a later date about that, but they, I don't think that they were intending for Struz to be such a big factor tonight, but it was a situation where they had to plug and play him due to foul trouble and then he caught fire. So they, you know, capitalized on it and they stayed with him. And there is a sentiment within the organization to continue to churn out these kinds of shooters and to see how far they can stretch the limits of guys that can come in and be specialists in this type um, of a way where you get so much. Uh, uh, attention that like you can become an offensive weapon, not with, you know, just by the fact that you're in the corner. Um, so they're, they're really trying to test that. So I think that that's why they lean in his direction more often than not. But tonight specifically it was because of Duncan's foul trouble.
1: All right. I want to get through some of these guys quickly. All right. So let's, let me gonna go. Th- I'm going to go through a list here. Okay. Of, of particular players and the games that they had. Um, Goran Dragic, Avery Bradley and Tyler Hero, shot the ball terribly tonight okay like we can talk about the defense but essentially i mean they got nothing from a shooting perspective from many of the three of them the only one of them that really concerns me at this stage is tyler to be honest like goran is going to come back from this you could tell from the very beginning he didn't have his shooting legs i, I think you texted me during the game greg he's playing a pretty good floor game and then i think that kind of fell apart too um bradley is short on every three and that's been when he's missed since he's come to the heat, he's been short on threes. He's not an elite three point shooter, but he's got to be an average three point shooter tonight. He wasn't, but the one that got me was Tyler. And, and this is the problem because then Tyler becomes kind of unplayable in some of these situations. Like that one, three, he had at the end of the game, which I didn't think was a big deal because at the time, I think they were up five, Alex, like if you recall this. And he just, he had like 10 seconds to shoot the damn yeah, thing.
3: And he took a dribble.
1: And he took a dribble and he just stared at it. And he was right in front of me, stared at it, stared at it, stared at it, stared at it, and then missed it. He doesn't look this. I know we think that's going to correct itself. The shooters are always going to be good shooters. He doesn't seem Alex, like he's comfortable with his jumper right now. And if he's not, even though I think he did some pretty good things in terms of reading the floor tonight, I'm watching him get cooked on the other end. Then he kind of becomes unplayable in certain situations.
2: Yeah, so I, I get what you're saying. I definitely do think Tyler has kind of taken it on himself this season to really prove that, you know, he's a playmaker. He He's more than a shooter. And that he, you know, that he's an all-around uh, three-level scorer in the NBA. And it's kind of taken him away from what his bread and butter was coming into the league when he got drafted was being a shooter. And, uh, you know, he made some threes tonight. He got some shots up tonight, which is good. But I have absolutely seen it in these games where, like, before – you know, last season, he would have taken some of these jumpers that are there. But I think now he's kind of, you know, running so many pick and rolls where it feels like that's probably option number two or three, as opposed to option one, where he's coming off a screen where somebody else is setting up the play. So I think some of that is messing with him just kind of, uh, you know, managing that role as opposed to what it was last season. I think it's very different ones. And I really would like to see him shoot more. I think that's important for Tyler. I think he needs to – the three-level stuff needs to be prioritizing the jumpers first and foremost for him because I love when he drives to the rim. I do. But there, there needs to be the balance because his shooting was always his bread and butter.
1: Uh, and I want to talk about the Kentucky guy on the other side because everybody's blaming me for this and I don't blame them. Uh, early in the game, I tweeted out – uh, is Malik Monk like the only disappointment from Kentucky in the past four years? Oh and then he, gosh. And then it compounded that with the fact that I was at the was game. Was he like today, five threes in already? Uh, No, 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 no. Literally it was before his first three. And then, and then, <laughs> and then he ends up with 36 tonight. Uh, so I'm trying to be somewhat serious about this, but it, it probably is my fault. Uh, but I I'm trying to figure out as I'm watching this, like there were sometimes, Greg that it did seem like they were contesting threes, And then there were others that they weren't, and then they just got in a rhythm. And then Devontae Graham basically started making shots over his head uh, at the end of the game. The three-point defense, the three-point percentage defense, like we talk about the Heat have always given up a lot of threes. And as Cooper Moorhead tweeted out, more of them are going in this year. But I feel like the three-point defense is worse And part of the thing that was supposed to correct that was Avery Bradley. But if he's not giving you anything on the other end, then Spolscher is not going to play him and he's going to play here. I mean, we can't blame this on Kendrick Nunn tonight. He didn't play. Right. No, not (laughs) at all. So. So. So what is how do they correct the three point defense
3: That that that's the that's the question, right? I mean, they shot 51 percent, 21 of 41 from three. Charlotte did you are not going to beat a team that shoots like that in the NBA. It's just, it's impossible. I mean that the heat shot 41%, which is way above their season average. And the, and they lost the game at home. It's a situation where the heater essentially they're going to be faced with this question of what team do they want to be? Do they want to be the, the offensive juggernaut that is going to shoot threes and live and die by it and be high scoring Um, or are they going to commit more to defense? And I don't know that they have enough two way players to really, um, mix those two in a way that can get them far enough in the playoffs. Like, I think they're going to have to make a a decision on, um, potentially, you you know, like one of these shooters is going to have to be flipped for some sort of, uh, better defender or a better, uh, big man up front that that can defend and, and just switch a little bit more. I, I just don't know that the roster right now, there's too many one way guys and it's just, it's not sustainable, especially when we start to get into what they're going to cost in the future seasons.
1: Greg, you also mentioned the, 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 the hole at the four, and it seemed like Spolstra solved that at least at the end of regulation by playing Iguodala, who I thought was tremendous tonight. Like I, I, Jimmy took off after I said this. Okay. But I thought until a certain point, Iguodala was the best player on the floor during his minutes. I mean, watching him up close blowing up plays in a good way. Unlike what some of the heat players were doing, uh, his off ball movement. I-, I thought he was great. I know what you- this show is sponsored by better help. What's the first thing you do. If you had an extra hour in your day, go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami heat game. I've got a better idea. to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, slash Miami Heat. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and
0: delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: You mentioned about some of the spacing issues. But, Alex, let me pivot to you here. Like, why not play Iguodala there at the end? I, I don't like it, the, the Hornets sized down basically with Hayward at the four and the Heat matched it by going even smaller by playing Jimmy at the four uh, instead of just keeping Iggy out there at the four with Jimmy at the three. Why, why not play Iguadala in the overtime?
2: Well, I saw that they were that spell had been going back and forth on that, like you said, and that one was a little bit weird to me just because it really seemed like Andre had it going this game. So normally I do understand the, the thought process behind, you know, giving Avery some of that, especially in the fourth quarter in order time, if you're worried about some of these guards going off on you. And I'm, I'm, I'm for that. I, I want Avery Bradley to be a serious part of this rotation going forward. And I suspect he will be. But tonight was the night to let Iguodala stay there. And maybe he was doing it to, you know, kind of manage him a little bit, considering that he's 37. But Iguodala was playing great. He looked very energetic. And look, you, you know me, I always want to see more Andre I think they need what he brings and even though the spacing can be a little bit messed up they pass to him a little bit too many times when they leave him open. They could definitely use some more ego dollars just going to be about balancing these, you know, these one way guys and how you manage these rotations on a night to night basis.
3: And you talk about balance, I think something that transcends X and X's and O's and who's going to play at what position and all that kind of stuff is like, what does it do to this team that they have such a demoralizing defeat after they had that losing streak? They kind of kind of felt like they were turning it around and now they dropped this one and it was one that they had to get and they had it in their hands. Uh, so I, I just think that that kind of intangible stuff, it starts to creep into the back of guys' minds and this was definitely one of those games that's going to stick.
1: Well, look, I said it before, and that's what I want to pivot and focus on after the break, because we can talk about certain sequences, why Jimmy took the three at the end. I have no idea um, the way that he was so aggressive the rest of the game, but we've seen Jimmy make these kind of decisions at the end of the game where he all of a sudden, sort of like Dwayne used to, he thinks he's a three-point shooter. There's specific things we can get into, but I want to get bigger picture with you guys because we are at the 20-game point, and I do think for a lot of reasons, this is a significant defeat, and I want to touch on that. Um, after I tell you about Biscayne Bay Brew. And by the way, that's probably a good idea right now if you want to have a few of those. So try the Tropical Bay IPA. Of course, the Marlins Lager or any of their other beers, Sideline Pass, or any of the others, you can find them at Publix, many of the local convenience stores here in town. So make sure that you ask for it. Also at a lot of the local restaurants, if you don't see it on the menu, make sure you ask for it. It's going to, this is, look, this is South Florida's beer right now. This is the only independent brewery in the area. They're the official beer of, my, the Miami Marlins, but also a Five Reason sports. Heat fans certainly need a lot of it these days. Also follow their Twitter account. It's a great follow at Biscayne Bay Brew. Again, Biscayne Bay Brewing Company. Check out the website, get the beer. I'm going up to Tampa this week for Super Bowl week, and I'm going to bring some with me. I'll drink it after I finish driving, of course. But uh, after this loss, I'm sure a lot of heat fans need it. All right, let's get to the bigger picture here. Um, 20 games in. This is supposed to be the pivot point. And Pat Riley always talked about this 20 games. You kind of know what you have in this year. It's a little weird because the heat haven't had their full team, but at the same time, 20 games is further into the season than it typically is. Cause this is a 72 game season instead of an 82 game season. I said, when everybody was coming back that not to expect it to be look great right away, that guys were going to come back at sort of their own pace in a different rhythm It wasn't going to look perfect. And you shouldn't just think, okay, everybody's back. And all of a sudden you're going to look like the heat team in the bubble. But with that being said, okay, there haven't been enough good moments this, this year so far, guys, like the defense is a consistent problem, matter who's on the floor. They can't guard the three. They can't rebound. They've tried eight different players at the four. None of them seem to be a good option. And I, I, the question's got to be asked now, Greg, I mean, I, I don't think you blow it up, but I mean, I'm sure you know pat and andy might be blowing up some phones tonight right
3: yeah and i think that this is the reason why if you were ever now going to point to a reason why you didn't give jay crowder a three-year deal or um just give him a one-year balloon payment that would have made the league like laugh at you because it was so big of a payment but you just did it in an effort to keep him for one season um unless you did something like that uh I think you got to start looking on the uh, on the outside, and this is why you have the nine million dollar Myers Leonard contract that's completely not productive for you on the floor. But nine million dollars will bring you back, uh, you know, ba- basically a mid level exception uh, tier player, and then you can combine that with Mo Harkless, who's also non functional, uh, and then you talk about some of the other pieces. There's just so many expiring contracts. You know, I was talking to a couple of people around the league, and um, somebody brought up the idea of, you know, do you think the Heat would sniff around Josh Richardson and James Johnson in Dallas, who are both expiring contracts and and kind of have some oh two way ability, and um, and you know, I didn't, I haven't really unpacked that yet, but so I, I think. Circle, the- I think that you're going to see the heat start to explore that kind of stuff and try to find deals that don't sacrifice the future, unless it's for a player. Obviously we've talked about a lot of guys and we won't go uh, player by player right now, but I think that there could be some, um, let's say, uh, reshuffling of the deck chairs on this, not quite Titanic, but Mm -hmm. boat that's definitely in some, uh, in bad seas.
1: Alex, let me ask you this. Um, If they don't do anything, can this be fixed? Like, if, if they keep the roster as it is and guys just get, again, they, they they play together for a little bit longer, which they haven't had the opportunity to do. You're not going to get a lot of practice time anyway in this particular season. But, I mean, can it be fixed? Or, or is this beyond hope at this stage? Because I, Heat fans seem to think 90%, and we know how they all react, and we've got – a few of them, you know, on Twitter who are just waiting, for, you know, the season is lost. I just wait. They never say anything with the heater up 15, but which hasn't happened very often this season, but when they go down, all of a sudden they all come out of the woodwork, but you're, I mean, you watch this team, you know, more closely than a lot of the I mean, can it be fixed with what they have
2: Listen, man? I understand the t- the tweets, right? Like I'm not going to blame fans for taking out their anger in a game where, you know, it deserves all the anger. Right. And, and that's really what it is, is. People expressing their emotion and look, uh, this is what we're here to do a podcast for, right? We're supposed to be reasonable. I'm going to try to be as reasonable as I can. The Heat not making a trade would be downright negligence, I think. <laughs> and I'm not like, you know me, I've been saying all season that I think even if they didn't make a trade, I would still like their chances in a lot of playoff matchups in the East. And I still kind of feel that way. I do. like, But I just think like, even if we haven't seen this team together for long enough, and, and I do, I still I still do want to see this rotation, get some games together. I think that's really, really important. Like Goron, Bam, and Jimmy, that your three best players haven't gotten that much run together. That's important. But also, like you said earlier, you, you talked, you went through all their issues, those issues are are gonna remain the issues, right? And the, the whole of the four is gonna remain an issue. And we'll say here, what were you gonna say, Leif?
3: Oh, sorry. I thought you had completed your statement. I was just going to say that th- this this is just a situation where, when you sacrifice Justice Winslow and attach Dion Waiters and and JJ, that was to create immediate cap space for 2020. When then that is not necessarily utilized in a way that that is proved to be functional. Uh, It starts to get a little weird in terms of the moves that you've made so far. And um, just like, you know, are they functional basketball players? Did you get better as a basketball team? If you really, if it's about winning, let's talk about that. Um, And I know that the bubble run obviously covers up some of that, but then when you look forward uh, it's just difficult to justify not making a move now when you have such a hole.
1: I'll say this, Greg. And um Max Struess was really good tonight, okay? And and he had 19 and he competed defensively. Um Spolcher seems to trust him in some situations, and he kept them alive during this game when they needed to be kept alive. The new backup three. But but but, but my point. If you're counting the year after you go to the finals, okay, and you're counting on Max Struuss, another of your undrafted finds, who was not supposed to be a part of this thing at all this year, okay to keep you afloat in a game that really you kind of had to have tonight. Like you just for feel good purposes, you needed this game against a team that, I mean, let's be honest, it's probably not a playoff team in the East. If you're counting on Max Strews, there are problems. OK, yep. Um, th- there are problems. And and whether or not, you know, Goran was the a heat of the 11th of-
2: seed, like they have to start winning.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, there there are problems. OK, and when you have Tyler Hero staring at a shot for five seconds before he takes it. OK, or and, and look, Bam was good. OK, so I'm not I don't want to pile on. We pile on Bam sometimes because he he has the highest upside on the team. OK, it's a compliment. But when there are times he's not punishing the, the smaller players on him or Jimmy makes a bad decision down the stretch of the game, which is great as Jimmy has been that has been kind of a consistent theme here where he kind of settles for that jumper where he should, he doesn't need to at the end of games when you start and you Duncan's defense. Okay tyler's defense goron's defense to a certain degree um the hole as you mentioned at the four where iguodala has to play these kind of minutes the fact that you've gotten really nothing out of harkless and leonard who were two of the pieces that you i mean let's be honest leonard you paid nine million you decided to keep him harkless you brought in at the expense of maybe some other player um and bradley you know i'm going to give bradley a little bit more time but he didn't give you much tonight either when you're counting on max streus the year after you go to the finals You have to start looking at making a move. You just do. And I've been one of the cautious ones on this. I wanted to see the team hole. I saw it today. There were some good signs. I'm not saying they can't get it together a little bit, but the hole at the four is not going away. I'll close with this because we talked about Jay Crowder a lot. Do you think, Greg, that if they brought Jay Jay Crowder back, because I just want to address this with Heat fans, do you think it would be different? No, not at all.
3: He, He would not solve what's happening right now at all.
1: I think it's a convenient excuse at this point. For oh, 100%. You no,
3: that, that's, you, it, that is delusional to think that Jay Crowder would fix what is ailing the Miami Heat right now. Mm-hmm. It's more about contingency plans and what worked and what didn't. And I, we're, we're Monday morning Monday morning quarterback, quarterbacking that, you know what I mean? Like It's easy to look in retrospect, but no, Jay Crowder ain't fixing this.
1: I mean, I feel like to a certain degree, that was a little bit of a mirage. I mean, I didn't think that the Heat's bubble run was a fluke. But I thought the fact that they were able to get through it with Jay Crowder essentially as their four for the entire time was not something that they could replicate. And I think they felt that also where they would have locked him up for more than just one year and where they would have offered him more than one year. So I don't think that's the issue, but I think the issue is they didn't do anything better to <laughs> this spot. Yeah. Right. Right. And Precious had some good moments tonight, but they're, they're clearly not comfortable playing in big minutes. None didn't play tonight. They played Struess and all these other guys ahead of him, even with Dragic struggling, even with Hero struggling for most of the game, etc. There are a lot of issues with this team. There's some of the duplication that I thought they'd gotten away from. And I'm with you guys. I think they got to do something. I think a move
2: is required. Ethan, can I say one last yeah. statement? Yes. So basically, I, I agree with everything you said, said there, by the way. And, and regarding the whole at the four Crowder, I agree with what you guys said there as well. You know, he wouldn't make the difference. He, he would be nice for sure at the end of the day and this is the proper way to use it at the end of the podcast the heaters still giving up a whole lot of three pointers and that's kind of their defensive uh blueprint right now and it was last season too and that's because they're dropping a lot in the regular season and it, and it does kind of connect back to the whole at the four situation because they they need more guys who 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 you believe are switchable and are two-way guys and you know like they're going to keep on giving up these threes and i feel like that's kind of what these regular season games come down to and why i feel like it's hard to make uh, determinations, especially, you know, with the context of this season is that so much of it for the heat and the context of this team depends on how often, not only are they hitting the three, but how often the other team's hitting the threes because like the bucks, you know, like the Raptors, they're giving up a whole lot. So it feels like, you know, the, the variability of these regular season games kind of goes up and down on the depending on the three point line, whether it's on offense or defense.
1: You know, who would be the most likely player to fix that of all the players we talked about?
2: Would you give up a first-round pick for P.J. Tucker? Probably.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think at this point you have to. To
2: not give up Duncan or Precious, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I would. I would, If you want to save the season, that might be the player who saves it. All right, we'll talk about that and more going forward. Also, check out prizepicks.com. Use the code 5. We finally got Alex signed up. How would you do tonight, Alex?
2: Oh, man, I haven't even checked. <laughs> I'm a little bit scared to check now uh
1: bam didn't go over for me so even though colin sexton did bam did not so we split it bam next time get the three extra rebounds and, and you'll help me out on that all right um that's why you're but, being
3: so hard on him ethan I, I
1: look he's Oh man uh, you know how i feel about bam no ceiling i'm with you okay i just want to see it a little bit more consistently because it's there it, it's there for him he's just got to take it all right
2: uh check out yeah, middleton middleton
1: didn't come through for me <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right there you go so we'll by try again. Point 0.5 by point 0.5 ethan
1: try i see it's my fault try again tomorrow use the code five we'll be back tomorrow
0: thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network